Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and... You feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 13. The big show some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, today's guest is NHL veteran Clark Wilm. He has sat down. We timelined his whole career. Started in Saskatoon with the Blades. We've got some excellent Western Hockey League stories. Up through the American League. And then, of course, on to the NHL with the Flames and uh, Nashville and Toronto. So... I think you guys will really dig the interview. Clark told some great stories and uh, really looking forward to get, to uh, presenting this for you guys. But uh, before we get into that, um, hit you, if you're into the the fight videos, go to uh, YouTube, Fight Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Like I said, i got 2,000 videos up there. Uh, anything you're looking for, just do the search engine, whatever league. i got them all sorted. Uh, hit the notification bell and uh, subscribe to the channel if you could. Um that way, uh, anytime I upload something, you'll get notified, so you won't miss any single punch. But uh, and I just got a bunch of DVDs here, guys, so I'll definitely be adding some new, some new material here. Uh, you know, if not daily for sure, every, every yeah, every yeah, almost daily. I'll be uh, adding uh, three or four new tilts every every few days. So uh, you know, and I think you guys will dig it. You know, there's always some interesting stuff getting put up there. I was just. Uh, Going through some old '70s stuff, I actually put up some really, uh, really nice footage of Schultz and uh, McLarge and Tagger Williams and stuff. So the quality was really nice. Um, other than that, yeah, if you uh, hockey podcast network, you know all the teams are represented. Represented. So any team you're a fan of, I mean, uh, they got the they got the podcast for you, and also they got Terry Ryan's show on there, uh, Brady Leibold, um, all the guys. And, um, you know, anything you're looking for, the network has. So, uh, definitely check that out. And, uh, also for the, you know, and on the fight, uh, on the fight podcast, of course, you got Alec over at Five for Fighting. Just put up his Pete Vandermeer, uh, interview. Also, uh, Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles, William at the Biscuit, you know, uh, 
you know, uh, Rob over at the Bucket Drop Podcast, which I'm going to be a guest on on Thursday while we're recording on Thursday. I'm not sure when he's going to put the episode out. I know he had done one with Alec as well, so obviously that one will be coming out first. But uh, give Rob some love if you could. I mean, uh, and uh, other than that, you know, the usual suspects. But uh, like I said, we're all we're all fighting for our time. I under like I always say, I understand. There's uh, only so much time in a day that people have a chance to uh to listen to things but uh i said you know the hockey podcasting doesn't begin and end with the spit and chiglets podcast so like i said we're all we're all out here the the support local i always say you know we're all out here fighting for airtime and then and uh like i said i think we bring some really good guests and uh and we all deserve some listens so uh hopefully you do that and you support the smaller podcasts as well but uh, I'll just keep it uh, short today, guys. No one wants to listen to me yammer on. But uh, let's get out of here. Here's my interview with uh, Clark Wilm. Thanks, guys. I have uh, NHL veteran uh, Clark Wilm. Clark, uh, thanks for uh, for answering my phone call tonight. Oh no, happy to do it. Thanks for having me on the cast. No, this will be this will be a lot of fun. I mean, uh, you know. Uh, uh, here in Saskatoon, and uh, a couple a couple Sask boys here talking, and uh, right away we're gonna uh, we'll kind of get into uh, basically like I was saying before we got going, we'll kind of timeline your career and kind of go from uh, you know each season or each you know each team and uh, talk about some uh, teammates, some opponents, some coaches, and uh, and we'll and we'll kind of go from there. No, that sounds awesome. Looking forward to to rolling down old memory lane, and I'm sure you'll. Uh... You'll spike my memory for some guys that maybe I not really forgot about, but just kind of well, over like, the years you, you forget here guys here and there, and you're like, oh shit, I remember that guy now, and something pops into your head. So looking forward to it. Yeah, well, absolutely. After all the years, I mean, you know, hundreds of teammates. It's uh, yeah, things get uh, you know, and you know, t- time marches on, right? So it's uh, yeah. Hopefully, we'll kind of uh, I'll, I'll spark some uh, memories here and. Uh, but uh, like so, starting off, you uh, you know you're from uh, from Central Butte, small town. Um, I know you uh, came in and you played your uh, AAA AAA midget with Saskatoon Blazers, correct? Yes, yeah. So kind of how that started out. Uh, small town farm kid, just loved hockey, playing hockey, dreamed about playing in the NHL, thought about it every minute of the day, and. I was lucky enough to get uh, get drafted by the Saskatoon Blades, which in 92, maybe 91, I can't even remember. It wasn't a big deal. I was sitting downstairs after school one day, and I remember I got a call from uh, from the head scout of the Blades, and he's like, well, we just drafted you. I said, oh, that's great. Had no clue what it was. Had no clue what the draft was. There was no real emphasis on it. There was you know, I was a young kid, 14 years old. He's like, yeah, are you excited? I said, yeah. Yeah, I think I think so. He's like, wow, we're happy to have you and so on and so forth. And that's kind of where my career kicked off. Yeah, it's amazing, you know, in the early 90s. it's uh, Yeah, it's a lot different uh, pre-internet and uh, social media and everything else, right? Yeah. Oh, exactly. I was, yeah, sitting downstairs watching cartoons, just a young kid and had no no clue what the draft really was. It was kind of just just starting out, and then uh, 
Then uh, Luby, the legendary uh, <laughs> yep. Daryl Lubinicki, the GM, he came down and watched a few games and said, you know what, we want you to play for the Blazers. And shit, I had no clue. I'm like, yeah, sounds good. I'll go play for the Blazers. And got up uh, got up to Saskatoon, and it uh, leaving home at 14 years old, it was a little bit of a culture shock here. You live in a town where there's 450 people, and the next thing you know, you're going to school, and there's 1,200 kids in the school. You're like, holy fuck, where am I? So it, uh, the yeah. lucky thing was uh, a couple of young kids on the team, and Rhett Warner was uh, was one of those, uh, one of the young guys. So he he was from Saskatoon, so that made the transition pretty easy. Yeah, well, that was going to be my next question. Obviously, with the Blazers, you were a teammate with a future, another future NHLer, and uh, Rhett Warner. Um, and I mean, you played with the. Well, I mean, you kind of, you guys were side by side here for uh, for a long stretch. First with the Blazers, and then with the Saskatoon Blades. Um, just at, just playing with Warner, uh, could you see it right away with him that he was something special? Was he something special? Is that what we're going to call it? I could. Yeah, I could well, see you know what I'm saying. I could see right away that he couldn't pass and we kind of skated alike and we were, we were both probably played at the right time. So yeah, if that was something special, then yeah, we'll say, we'll say, uh, he was something special. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, so you're, uh, so you're playing with the Saskatoon Blazers and I noticed here as a 15 year old, you got your one, you got into the one WHL game and it was a playoff game. Yeah, and uh, I remember I was excited to to get called up, and I probably stood for fifty nine minutes of the uh, of the game. I think I don't even know if I got a shift. I might have got one shift, and there was uh, I was sitting down in the middle of the middle of the bench, and one of the older guys kicked me out to stand on the back, and all I could think is. You're such a prick. When I was sitting there, I couldn't feel my feet, and it was uh, it was cool to get called up and cool to be part of that experience because I think they lost in uh, in Game Seven to Kamloops that year, and met some great guys. Gullitson was there, and David Stroosh and Terrence Andwith, and I could go on down the list. But uh, it's funny when you're a young kid; one thing that sticks in your head is the one guy that was a dick to you. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter what what uh, what age, what league, what team. There, there's always that guy. Every team seems to have that guy. But uh, no, no question. Yeah. Well, so the next year, a 16 year old, 92, 93, your uh, rookie year in the Western Hockey League. You play 69 games, um, and your coach was uh, well for a couple years was old Lorne, Lauren Mulliken. How was Lauren? Well, for people that know Mooner, he's a legend. So back in uh, back in them days, he was still uh, still having some fun, and he was a wild man. So it, uh, he was uh, he was a great coach. Really, he he treated us well. He made us work hard, and he wasn't uh, he didn't get on us if we went out and had a little bit of fun. He just made us work and. Made sure everybody competed. You can see when uh, in that kind of stretch in those those years when he was coaching here, the the Blades had some pretty good teams, and 
I don't know if we were the most talented squads out there, but uh, we we definitely competed hard and and got the job done. And that's a direct result of how he coached and how he he made us play hard and what he expected from us day in and day out. Yeah, well, and like you said, you guys had you know forty. You guys had a pretty uh, strong team that year. Uh, you know, with Ryan Fujita leading the way, 110 points, and uh, you know Shane Calder and Watton and Andy McIntyre and those guys. Um, and also another uh, 16 year old uh, with you on that team. He uh, he just played a few games. Was uh, the late Wade Belak? What were you, what were your initial impressions of Wade? Oh, one of the one of the best stories. Uh... Lubinicki tells it all the time. So there was me, Rhett Warner, and Chad Allen. We were all drafted uh, to the Blades, and we played for the Blazers. And so we came up with this plan at uh, at I think maybe spring camp that you know what we were gonna we knew who Wade was. Like he was, we played a little bit of midget against him. We're like we're gonna fight him. So. Uh, I don't think it worked out well for all of us. He beat the shit out of me. I had black eyes, and, <laughs> and <laughs> Warner probably did the best because he has he has grill arms. And they hang down to his ankles, so he probably did the best. But uh, Allie and I didn't fare so well, and Luby always loves to tell that story. So uh, Wade, I was fortunate to play with him uh, three years to the Blades, and then again with the Flames, and then we played again in uh, in Toronto. So. An awesome guy. We had a lot of fun together, and uh, I miss that guy. He's, uh, he was a great human. Yes, he was. Yeah, no, I've met Wade a number of times, and he was always really uh, he was cool as shit with me. And uh, yeah, too young. Uh, yeah, that's r- sad. But he was. Uh, but yeah, I, well, before we even uh, got going, before we even jumped to the season, I should have asked you when you come into camp as a as a sixteen year old. And I mean, for people listening, I mean, it's a completely different world now. But back then, it really was like, you know, law of the jungle. And uh, how was that first camp? Where did you come in thinking, okay, I'm gonna, like, did they sit you down and kind of expect, kind of what they expect from you, or was it just I'm gonna go in and we'll see what happens? And like, what uh, were your feelings going into camp? Were you just sort of? I was. Uh, I expected to make the team. I had a good year in in midget triple and I didn't think. I don't know, maybe it was because I didn't know any better, but every team I ever tried out for, I thought, you know what, I'm going to make this team. It's no problem. So it, uh, I didn't really think of it a whole heck of a lot and just went out and played, played hard. And my style was uh, maybe not the most finesse, but coaches, coaches throughout uh, my career seemed to like me. So it was, it was just, I went out and did my thing and, and was fortunate enough to make the team as a 16 year old. And it was, uh, it was good to come with a couple buddies, like I said, uh, Warner and, and, uh, Allen, which we played Blazers. So it was, it was a good transition. There was a great group of guys that year. They had just come off, uh, losing in the finals. So it was, it was a good team at the time. And we had Normie Miracle and Nest and it, uh, it was a good time to come up as a young kid. Yep. And, uh, and yeah, and like just, you know, back then, like you said, the, uh, 
the, now in terms of like obviously the fourth line voice, of course it's a very uh, fight cent. I'm a fight centered uh, Twitter account and podcast, I guess you could say. Um, you know, not not that we're claiming that you're you know Mister Super Enforcer or anything, but I mean, hey, you had you had eight tilts and uh, in your first year as a as a sixteen year old, was it? Uh, did you kind of prepare at all for that? Like, did you take any boxing or something in the summer, or was it just like just go in and and you know just give her shit? Just a young dumb farm kid that let's let's go. It uh, and it was, you know, there was when I was younger. It was I got punched and just bled like a stuck peg, like just until my eyes actually got got to be like leather. If somebody hit me, I was just leaking. I remember, uh, oh, a guy from Tacoma, I think, Alan England. Alan England. I actually have that fight yeah. on tape. Yes. Yeah, he hit me with the left, and I was just leaking like I always did. And it was—it uh, probably took me two years before the uh, the top of my eyes figured out they didn't need to bleed every time somebody punched me. So it was—I uh, always—I never minded fighting. I fought my brother probably ten thousand times as a kid growing up. So I—I I liked to fight, and as long as I stayed in my weight class, I—I I usually did fairly well. So it—and uh, it. It doesn't hurt when you got guys like oh the Golden Rat Tremblay and uh, Mark Raider, where they're going to grab the big boys, and you're about number eight on the list, so you can grab that guy. And it usually usually wasn't too bad. So it was uh, yeah. The amount of tough guys back in the day that would just love to beat the shit out of each other was unbelievable. So if you were if you were way down on the list, most teams didn't have as many of us, so it was good. Yeah, well, I was just looking at the list here. I mean, you had, uh, he, you know, a couple of smaller guys, but certainly never backed down were Yakimission Mission and Calder. And then you had Mike Gray, Mark Rader, Peter Cox, Rhett Tremblay. I mean, yeah, I mean, you guys were, uh, you know, if anybody, as they would say, if anybody wanted to play fuck around, you guys were uh, ready for it. Oh, exactly. And Yak Commission was a wild match. Like, he was, uh, he was not very much different from the old Killer Kaminsky where, yep. Not a big guy, but they love to fight and could care less. I can remember uh, one night up in, in PA, Yakimishin is fighting some guy that's about six inches taller than him, and he's just got a shit-eating hand on it, loving every minute of it. So it was uh, it was a lot different back then where yep. we would go into Moose Jaw and Mooner would put out, Lauren Mulliken, he'd put out five guys and they'd fight. And then he'd send out five more guys, and they'd fight. So you'd be playing the game with eight guys in the dressing room already, and you're 20 seconds into the game. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. that's just the, that's just the way it was. It was like, yeah, boys, we're going to kick the shit out of them, and then we'll play a little bit of hockey. Yep. Well, before we uh, kind of go any further, I mean, you had uh, you you kind of mentioned to earlier about him, and uh, I mean, we may as well talk about him now. It was uh, of course. Uh, he went on and had uh, kind of a, a minor league career, but uh, certainly one of the one of the toughest blades I ever saw um, was, as you said, the Golden Rat Rat Tremblay. Do you have any Rat Tremblay stories? Oh, he was my line mate for my first year, so I can uh, I can remember we going to Moose Jaw when I was talking about those scraps, and uh, I think it was Kent Stanifor. Uh, yes, I think it was. it was him. So yes, it was. You've got you've got Mark Mark Dawes. I think it's Mark Dawes. 
and Rhett Tremblay in the dressing room screaming over who gets to fight him. Like, they're trying to fight each other to see who fights him. And it's like, I'm a 16-year-old kid, 15 at the stadium, thinking, where the hell am I right now? Like, this is ridiculous. And, uh, he, was a, he was a good teammate. He was tough as can be. And, yeah, a great left. He beat the shit out of a lot of guys. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it was, uh, no, for sure. And, uh, well, and, uh, yeah, so, like, overall, like, your, uh, your, your first year, like, what was it, um, like, as the year went on, obviously, uh, you know, a guy gets more comfortable or whatever, but what was sort of the biggest adjustment for you when you first got into the league? Uh, probably sitting on the bench. I can remember sitting there in mid-January and you're getting two shifts, a period, one shift, and just not part of the game because really up until that point, you, I, well, small town, played 90% of the game, then went to the Blazers, played a ton there, and yeah. it was really the first time ever that uh, a guy wasn't playing a lot. So you get to learn to play score clock, blackjack and so on and so forth and it was uh, that was probably the biggest adjustment actually yeah uh, yeah well like so was that uh, discouraging to you at all or was it just kind of like you kind of just kind of knew your place or was it uh, or just kind of a little bit of both not really no it didn't uh, not that it didn't bug me but no it, I didn't get discouraged and then uh it was just the way it was. Sixteen-year-old kid, you knew you weren't going to play a ton. Yeah. But for the for the most part, for the most part, I played quite a bit. You get a regular shift, and it was just the odd time you got lost in the shuffle, and you're bored of your fucking mind sitting on the bench. Yeah. Well, we move into ninety three, ninety four, and you guys had a hell of a run. You finished in first place. Um, you had a big year. You had eighteen goals, but you also. You had 21 tilts, led the team, actually. Um, was that a, like a conscious effort on your part to actually do more fighting, or is it just sort of worked out that way? It just worked out that way. Um, like I said earlier, I, was, I liked fighting. Like It was just something I liked to do, and it didn't hurt that you could tell Belak or McAllister, like, listen, whoever gets around you, I'll take them, so it's it it doesn't hurt when you got the big boys in front of you and yeah it uh yeah i like to fight it was always kind of part of my game and i you know you watch guys like kevin kaminsky and growing up in center view like mike kane who was a wild man back in the day in moose jaw yep. i just always liked that type of type of player so it was it was uh it was something that I guess I probably consciously said, you know what, I want to do that, and didn't seem to get knocked out too much, so it was good. Well, and you didn't, and just going through your list here, you certainly didn't back down from anybody. It was, uh, I mean, you fought, you know, Jezalowski and uh, Rocky Thompson. Uh, well, and another guy, I was going to ask you about this guy. Uh, up at, you were, we were talking about Bouchard earlier, that, and he was just a little shit. Uh, but I was a big fan of his, was Rob Trumbly. <laughs> how are you? I hated uh, fighting him. Oh yeah, how was that? Hate, uh, how was he to play against? 
he was always a little asshole. Like I'm yep. not very big, but he was smaller than me, and he would just run around and love to fight and had the big right hand. He caught me one day in a soft place with it, and but popped right back up. And it was uh, he was always a prick to play against. Like he he played hard, loved to fight. If you weren't paying attention, he'd try to take your head off. And mm-hmm. for a guy that. Uh, that isn't really big. He uh, he played as hard as hard as you could, really. Like he he was, uh, I think he was a captain that year. And I remember that the it was back in the day when your coach actually told you, like, listen, go out there and get him. And so I did. He he hit me with one. I went down. It's probably on YouTube too. And Popped back up and had a decent decent fight, and then again, uh, Mooner was actually coaching in in Hamilton, and I was playing in my first year, first well, or second year. In well, it's, John. well, we're gonna get there. Hold on, we'll get there. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I got that question. Well, I was I was gonna know. I noticed actually, and I think you fought him. Like for a guy who never fought, he fought you like four times. Was Wade Redden? What was the deal with fighting Redden? <laughs> I don't know. Like he's probably I've met him since, and he's probably the nicest guy you'll ever meet. But he was, I think, probably because we just had the same draft year. Uh, the rivalry with Brandon, they were good, we were good. Yep. I wasn't going to fight Dingman or Cluche, so I guess who do I grab here? And he was probably probably slotted in at uh, at where I should be fighting somebody. So it was. Yeah, what? I don't know. He. Uh, well, I just laughed because he had like twenty career fights, and like four of them are against you. Yeah, I know. It, uh, we were laughing about that. I'd seen him a couple summers ago, and he's like, "Why did you always want to fight me?" I'm like, "I don't know. Just seemed like something to do back in the day." Yeah. Well, uh, like I said, you guys had a had a big year that year, and uh, unfortunately, I think you. Uh, if I remember correctly, I'm just kind of trying to look here, but I think you kind of ran into the juggernaut known as the Kamloops Blazers at that time. Yeah, I hate that song, Taking Care of Business. We, <laughs> I it was 7-1, 8-1 in Game 7, but yeah, they were a lot more skilled than us. And, uh, yeah, we had a bad start in the finals there. We were coming back here down 0-2 and just couldn't recover, but you look at the guys they had on that team. Oh, that's a well, it's a junior dynasty. I mean, really. I mean, would they win three or something? It was like ridiculous. Yeah, they were unbelievable back then, and the players they had, like again, uh, I think he was probably a young guy at that time. Yeah, oh, like Tucker and Tyson Nash and Strudwig and yeah, Nolan Baumgartner and yeah, like their players were. They had quite the team, and it was. Uh, we probably took him as far as we could without uh, without Normie stealing us another game. We weren't going to win. They were a good team and so many good players. And yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Like get uh, to go to Game Seven in the league finals as a as a seventeen year old was uh, it was awesome, awesome experience, and you gain a lot of uh, a lot of confidence and a lot of. Uh, uh, Knowing how to win, I guess. Yeah, well, they, hey, like you said, it's a, it was a junior dynasty, and I mean, you guys gave them the run, right? So it was like, yeah, for sure. Um, 
Oh, and another guy I wanted to ask you about. I know he got they when they traded uh, they traded Mark Rader away to Tri Cities, and in came uh, Todd Simpson. And I was a huge Todd Simpson fan. What what were your uh, what what are your uh, memories of Todd Simpson? Well, Simmer and I played together uh, here and then in Calgary. But the funny yeah. story about that is uh, Raider he wheeled out for uh, for warm up, and you weren't allowed to wear no helmet at that time. So he wheels out with no helmet, and he's cutting a couple laps and. Luby comes down and loses his mind. He's like the next the next day after practice, he comes down and he's giving it to Raider. He's like, "And you're out there thinking you're fucking Robert Redford." He goes, "You look like the back of my sack." <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> a different time, but yeah, that's just the way Luby was. So, Rates and I are walking out of the rink one day, and Luby was kind of all over him. And Luby, if you've been down the bottom of Sass Place. We're walking out the back door, and Luby's going to get onto the uh, onto the elevator, and they're kind of bickering back and forth. And Ray says, "Why don't you get off my back?" And Luby said, "Oh, I'll get off your fucking back." And next day he's traded, and we bring in Sammy. We didn't know what to think, and we all looked at the at his sheet, and we're like, "Brown University, okay, what are we getting there?" And then. Then he gets there, and him and Belak are just beating the shit out of guys day in and day out. So it was, uh, he was a funny guy. He played a lot of practical jokes and great teammate. Yeah, well, it actually turned out that was, and I'm a big Mark Raider guy, and I was a big fan of his, but uh, that was actually, that was a great trade for the Blades. Oh, it really was, yeah. Yeah, no question. He came in, he was, uh, he was a good stay at home D man. He was as tough as man, as nice. Not a nice, but uh, big, mean lefty that uh, he, uh, him and Wayne scared a lot of guys that year. So it, uh, he came in and did a hell of a job for us and went on to have a great career. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so we go into, uh, you know, so now you're coming in as uh, uh, the 94-95. It's, uh, you know, 20 goals, 18 tilts. Um you know, you know, again with Lauren there, uh, another strong year, forty-one twenty-three, um, and this is kind of you can kind of start seeing the, um, in terms of the blades, the kind of the emergence of uh, Frank Bannum. You know, with fifty goals, him and DL kind of really setting things up, and I mean, Bannum would go on to have like I think he scored eighty-three the next year. But um, what do you remember about that season? Just with like with you know Butchikowski and DL and Bannum and Calder and those guys. Uh, the guy had like Calder was for I don't even know if he weighed 160 pounds. Like he was a tiny dude. Would, he fought and was as tough as nails. And really, until he broke his elbow, there he was uh, scoring 30 goals and getting 250 pounds. Like he was as tough as they come. Yep. Which Kelsey was uh, he was uh, I'm not a big guy either, but legs the size of tree trunks and skates and scored and if he had to fight he would he wouldn't uh he wouldn't go out and actively search it out like lots of guys but he was he was tough and then dial uh dial was a bit of a different character like he was he was uh a good guy some guys didn't know how to take him but he was uh 
he was a good dude that put up a lot of points and was, it was unbelievable. And then you got Frankie. We surprisingly, we pretty much played together for four years for the most part. Like he came in. Yep. I was 16. He was 17. And that guy could shoot the puck and, it was amazing to watch him score that 83 goals. When he got 50, it was, you could see it coming. You could tell he was such a pure goal scorer. And and what a lot of people don't know is he was a bit of a prick out there too. Like he'd do stuff and I'd be like, Frankie, you're going to get me killed. Like you can't be doing this out there. I mean, he didn't care. He was, he just laughed straight out of Northern, Northern Alberta, Calahoo. And he'd just be giggling on the bench, just, sticking guys and doing stupid shit and I was like you better make sure some of the big boys are out if you get some uh, somebody that's uh, six foot four because you're on your own but he was uh, real special talent I think he just retired last year so played 20 some years pro so oh absolutely uh, I was gonna, I was gonna was ask you to play with. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're not not trying to sewer the guy or anything, but why don't you like? Why do you think he never made a kind of a bigger impact in North America, like into the NHL? Like, I mean, I think he ended up playing like thirty games, and you know, but just couldn't stick. What? Why do you think that is? What? What kind of held him back? Do you think? I don't know. Timing, maybe it would have been. You know, I think he was with uh, with Anaheim, and yeah, they. Uh, they had some decent goal scorer back at that time. I think his name was Solani. So yeah. I don't know. It's uh, timing in finding your place in the uh, yeah. in the lineup, probably. But uh, that would that would be my guess because he always worked hard. He was always in good shape and he could shoot the puck like none others. So it was just just couldn't seem to make that jump to the NHL. Yeah. Well, there's just so many spots. There's only so many spots, right? So. Um... Yeah. Well, another guy on that team I was going to ask you about, and I was uh, I was always a big fan of his, was um, Ryan Tobler. <laughs> Tobes was a good dude, too. Like, he he came in, would have been that year, and yep. just a big, big, tough guy that uh, liked to have fun. Like, he he always had a smile on his face, and he, he would go out and fight tough guys and always be giggling and laughing and yeah he went uh, that's one guy that I should have probably followed his career a heck of a lot more but I know he uh, he had a lot of success I think in Colorado and uh, but yeah he uh, he was another another tough guy like you think of those blade days and the theme of that was we had a tough team every year so you didn't yeah you didn't not that you didn't worry about going into places like PA but you always knew when when shit went down, you had enough guys on the bench that uh, that weren't afraid to get into it. No, absolutely. And like I said, growing up, you're being a fan of the you know and going to a lot of the games and stuff back then. And uh, yeah, it was always it was always really cool when you yeah there's uh, when you had like you know one of the toughest teams in the league all every year. It was like uh, yeah, you always knew there was going to be uh, some some fireworks. Um, well, this year, uh, you know, like I said, you, you had the twenty goals, and uh, and this is also you get drafted in the uh, in the sixth round by the Calgary Flames. Uh, how was that uh, phone call? How'd that feel? That'd be pretty surreal. I was actually, yeah, I was actually there because it was in Edmonton. So, um, yeah, I probably had a bit of an off year. Like I think I was whatever ratings or for, for whatever, and 
I don't really care about them much, but I was ready to go earlier, so I went and my agent said, let's go. And, uh, I grew up a Flames fan. I always, like, I loved Lanny McDonald and McKinnis and Vernon and those guys, so it was awesome. Like, a complete dream come true, not just to be drafted to the NHL, but uh, to be drafted to your favorite team. So it was uh, it was amazing. Like, uh yeah, it was. I was when the Flames called my name. It I couldn't have been any happier. And had it been whoever else, it probably would have been the same feeling. But when you sit back and think about it now, however many years, twenty some five years later, it's uh, it's pretty awesome to be drafted by your favorite team as a kid growing up. No, absolutely. So obviously that. Uh, so you get drafted, and of course that uh, that fall. Obviously, yeah. Uh, I'm assuming. Obviously, you went to. Uh, Flames camp. What was that like? It was uh, like back then. It was still uh, Newendike, Roberts, Flurry. I think Housley was there. So you had all these guys as a kid that you grew up watching. Like I watched Theo when he was in Moose Jaw and yep. had a had a Flurry jersey. And so you go there, and it was uh, you're just in awe of these guys. You've been watching them your whole life, and they won the Stanley Cup, and I knew the whole the whole story. Considering I was a, a Flames fan, so it was uh, it was awesome. Like it, it was surreal. Basically, you're skating around looking at these guys. Basically, I can't believe I'm here, really. And then, uh, then to come back. I'm trying to think here. Did I go to a camp and then get sent back to the Flames or sent back to the Blades? I don't think I did. Yep. Well, I I mean, because then you play the 95-96 season last too, and that's when you scored the 49 goals. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think, yeah, I think that camp was in St. John, St. John, New Brunswick. So, yeah, there you go. Been punched in the head too many times. Couldn't even remember. (laughs) Well, the 95-96 season, I mean, that's – you know, uh, you know, on the, uh, you had Don Clark as the coach and, uh, you know, tough year, 29 and 42, you know, but, uh, like we were saying before, you, you had 49, Bam's got 83, DL's got 61. I mean, uh, you know, it just kind of, uh, you know, obviously a rough year, but I mean, a big season for you with the 49 goals, um, but I noticed that year you only had a couple fights. Was that uh, was that kind of a thing that you tried to do, like really kind of focus on the offense and kind of leave the uh, gloves on? No, actually, yeah. Now you're jarring my memory. So ninety, the year before we were I think playing Swift Current in the playoffs, and we were in a line brawl, and I can't remember who it was, but I blew my shoulder out, so my shoulder was torn all apart. So the next year. I come back in the, uh, not that it didn't plan on fighting or didn't want to fight. It was, I had, uh, I had the, the trainer had to sew into my pants, like, uh, a sling basically. So I couldn't lift my arm up past, uh, level. If I did, my shoulder would blow out. So it, uh, if you remember, I fought Brad Church behind the net one of the first games. And luckily enough, I I knew him a bit, but we're we're ten seconds into the fight, throwing punches, and my shoulder blows out. So I just I couldn't basically. 
So it was, it wasn't, uh, I would have much rather had 110 points and 200 penalty minutes, but it just wasn't, wasn't going to happen. Well, I was going to say, bad shoulder or not, you still ended up with Lloyd Shaw and Reed Lowe, too. You ended up with fighting those two, so, yeah, <laughs> glutton for punishment, but. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I was going to say, for bad shoulder at all, I mean, for 40, 49, go- oh, it's such a bitch, you couldn't get that 50, though. Oh, they couldn't give you an empty netter. Oh. oh, and I had so many chances. I think I had 49 left with 10 games and just punting it into the corner every time I had a chance. And it was... <laughs> Yeah, it was, I should have had fifty, but you know, blame it on my line mates. I needed an empty net tap in on the on the goal line. Yeah, we're, yeah. but uh, yeah, I was going to ask you uh, as I'm kind of scrolling down the roster. Um, there's there's a character, and I've you know I, we won't get it. I won't get into it too much with the stories, but I've heard some stories. But uh, what are your memories of Richard Peacock? <laughs> Great kid, basically, but a little wild man. Like, he yep. was, uh, uh, if you think Ogre off of Revenge of the Nerds, then I would think that probably, he he was kind of like that back then. He was a, he was an awesome kid, just wheeled around and fought and ran guys over. And yeah, he was, uh, he was a beauty. We'll just put it that way. Yeah, they're, uh, yeah, I've heard I've heard some stories. Quite the character. Um, well, so then we uh, now you turn into your first year pro, ninety six, ninety seven with the St. John's Flames. Um, first of all, uh, kind of what what was the adjustment coming from the uh, to the American Hockey League from uh, the from junior? Uh, I don't know if there was a giant adjustment other than just catching up to the speed of the game and. And playing against real men, like playing yep. against dudes with mustaches and 30-year-old, 30, 30 35-year-old guys that would basically want to kill you and just abuse you. Like it was, I can remember the bird dog, Greg Smith, in, uh, in Newfoundland, and he was literally like, I thought it was slap shot, like he's telling you he's going to kill you and you're looking at him and I was 19 and this dude's got a full mustache and it's like, what the hell? Where am I? It yeah. was, uh, but again, look at the team I was on. There was a lot of tough guys. So it wasn't, yeah. Well, you it, didn't really have to hide into the corner. Tough coat. What was playing for Paul Baxter? Like, so my first memory of Baxi is, uh, in flames camp or in the saddle dome. And he calls me over the bench and, that was after my year of 110 points, and he's, he calls me over. He says, uh, hit a lot of points last year. I said, yeah. He's like, well, we're going to see how tough you are. I was like, oh, all right. So what does this mean? Well, I think I had 10 or 11 fights in the first nine games, and I thought, wow, this is, this is not how I want my career to go. I don't need the big boys barking down my tree because they're going to beat the shit out of me. So it was uh, – it was a readjustment about the 10 game mark where do I really want this to be my career where I got to fight Jerry Fleming or Greg Smith. There's guys that are yep. guys that want to beat the shit out of you and take your teeth out. Or am I going to find something else to do with my career? But Baxi was, uh, 
he used to say, he used to love saying, we're going to work on our work. So you'd have no pucks and you'd just get this shit skated out of you for an hour and a half. So that was late 90s hockey right there. I don't know if it happens anymore, but we'd go out there and you'd just go down and back and down and back for an hour and a half. And it was not a lot of fun. No. Well, like you said, the American League, especially out there in the Maritimes, I mean, uh, you know, like you said, that was a jungle out there. And, I mean, you, your team obviously had no shortage. And, of course, you had Hamilton, the Bulldogs out there. And, of course, you had Dennis Bond. How's that for a tag team? Dennis Bond being George LaRock. It's like, come on. You know, coached by Lorney, you know. And, uh, and of course, then you got Fredericton with Fleming and them and the other St. John. And um, that just had to be just crazy all the time. Oh, it was a complete shit show. Like, you had... Bonby was an absolute animal. He'd be... We had 500 minutes of penalties that year. Yeah. Yeah. It was unbelievable. And the one good thing is that uh, old big George LaRock couldn't... He wasn't real sturdy on his feet back then, so you at least... You at least had a little bit of a chance, but yeah, like Sean Brown and Sandwest and yep. oh, it was, and that was back in the day where you, the stat sheets didn't have Corsi. You looked at the stat sheets and you had uh, <laughs> St. John's Newfoundland with three thousand penalty minutes, and this other one was twenty five hundred. So you're looking at the pregame sheet, and it's it's got right on by the wins and losses how many penalty minutes that team has. So it was it was. Uh, it was a shit show, really. Brad Brown was there also. Yeah. Uh, oh, Terry Ryan and yeah. Turner and then, Stevenson. And, yeah. yeah. And then they then they made you play them 15 times a year. <laughs> yeah. So it was just a bloodbath. Like, there was one year we played uh, the Fredericton Canadians seven out of nine games in November. You're just like, the fuck are we doing here? Like, this is just guys trying to kill each other and yep. Sammy Hellenus and Terry Ryan fighting and Brad Brown running around like an animal and the res Jesse Rosanzoff and yep. yeah he was there Dion Darling and yep. Jerry Fleming you just hope nobody woke him up and then you had the little critter David Ling just going around <laughs> sparing guys and that was you definitely kept your head up every time you were on the ice. Like it was, it was a gong show. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Without without a doubt. Um, well, and then you know, like you said, your your team. You know, I mean, it wasn't. Uh, you know, not a lot of Lady Bing contenders on the on your team. Uh, I mean, you had Chris. You know, you had Dingman and uh, uh, Keith McCambridge and and uh, and the late. Do you have any? Of course, minor league legend, the late Sasha Lakovic. Sasha, yeah, he he actually lived in the same building as me and my roommate. So he was uh, he was a really good guy. Like you got him away from the rink, and he was uh, he was a good dude. He'd come up and play cards and have some beers with us, and just kind of bullshit. And it was it was night and day how he was at the rink. He got to the rink and it was flip the switch, and he'd be he'd be riding the He'd be going out and so I'm not going to tell that story, but he'd be he'd be going out 
uh, to practice, and he'd have no shoulder, he'd have his shoulder pads outside his jersey, yelling at the coach and carrying on and just trying to kill guys. And but you got him away from the rink. He was he was a tender-hearted man that uh, he was he was pretty cool to hang out with. But uh, yeah, you can go on YouTube and he's climbing over in the stands, and he was he was as tough as they come, no question. Yeah. Well, and uh, yeah, yeah, and I've and like you said, you've you've said the same thing everyone else said. It was like kind of like I, it was something like when he stepped on the ice, the the switch got flipped, and uh, but away from it, everyone I've talked to always said he was cool as shit. Actually, yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Uh, had I had I not lived in the same building as him, I would have never seen that seen that side. But yeah, he'd always come up and have dinner and play cards and bullshit with us. So no, he was, he was, uh, he was a good guy to, to hang around for the short time that I was with him. Yeah. Another guy, another teammate of yours I wanted to ask about, and, uh, I know people listening. I have a lot of, uh, a lot of people over in, in, in the UK, um, kind of follow the account and, uh, and this guy was, um, you know, kind of really made a career for himself in Belfast and, over there was uh, Paxton Schulte. Yeah, like that one year, I can't remember if it was my first or second year in the minors, but he fought everybody and anyone. And he was, uh, he was, uh, he was as tough as the can. Like I can, I can remember him fighting Jerry Fleming and giving up six inches and probably 30 pounds and just going toe to toe. And he, the amount that he fought that year was actually amazing because he could still put the puck in the net. He was, yep. I think he had 27 goals maybe. And that's like, he was still scoring goals, but fighting every tough guy on every team. And he was, uh, he did a good job at it. It was, I can't, uh, as far as tough guys go, he, he was fighting all the big boys and not, I didn't see that as he wasn't one of the crazy guys. You'd sit there and talk to him and, you know, some guys and they hit the ice and they're just crazy. And, but no, he'd go out and score goals and he'd get on the ice and just play hard and fight anyone. Like he did, wasn't dirty. He wasn't, uh, wasn't a real prick out there. He just played hard and, fought every heavyweight in the league yeah um no well and then here's another guy you you know, obviously you played junior against the big rivalry and now your teammates uh was chris dingman <laughs> yeah dinger he was well back in those days i don't know if it's still the same but you had three lines and then just two extra so you you had just two guys that wanted to go out there and beat the shit out of anybody on the ice. You had three guys, three lines that played, and, and then some poor guy would get slot in with the, with the two guys that just wanted to kill people. So he was uh, he was stuck in that for a little bit at the start, and then obviously just because he was big, you needed you needed somebody in that role, and then but he. Uh, yeah, the rivalry with Brandon, I always knew he was tough. He always fought weight all the time. And he was, he was fighting the big boys, uh, in the minors just cause he was, he was so big. But 
it was it was impressive to see him go from uh, just a big guy to a guy that won two Stanley Cups and was a was a big part of those cup wins and just uh, we spent a lot of time together in summer training in Calgary. We'd go there and they they'd take us there for a month and just a, just a great guy and had an amazing career. Absolutely. Well, so the next year, you know, so you play two seasons in St. John's. Now, when you go to uh, the Calgary Flames camp, uh, like now that obviously you've played a year pro, you got a little more confidence, uh, you know, going into those camps, what was uh, what was that experience like? Uh, my second camp, I think I probably drank too much and maybe ate like a pig my first year in the minors. So I think I left New Brunswick at like, 220 pounds i'm like this isn't going to cut it i gotta i gotta trim myself down so my my second flames camp i went in at uh 185 so i'd lost a ton of weight just trying to get quicker and and just make an impression to to make that next step so the confidence of playing in the minors you went you weren't the young kid the junior anymore you had one one year under your belt and it was uh, at a decent camp, nothing special. You didn't get in any exhibition games, just went and worked hard and then got sent down to the minors. And, and we had a great year that year that probably set my career in motion. I was going to say, yeah, you guys fit, you know, first place. And, uh, you know, you had th- uh, 13 goals, 112 PIMS. Uh, you had the 21 playoff games. Um yeah, just uh, you know, playing with Bill's. Uh, your coach was Bill Stewart. Uh, how how did that go? How was that all? What do you remember from that season? Oh, it was uh, it was awesome. Um, Bill Stewart, he was a great coach. Like he was a players' coach, and you look at that team. Like we had Jimmy Dowd there, Stanley Cup champion, uh, Martin St. Louis. I think he went on to have a decent career. Yeah, um, yep. yeah, Marty Murray. Like we had, we had some high end talent, and we had uh, Jamie Allison, another guy that went on there. But it was from uh, oh, another guy, Jagger. He was all right too. Um, <laughs> yeah. So our goalies, our goalies were unbelievable. Uh, we set a record that year, I believe, for least amount of goals scored or not scored um, allowed. So we had great goaltending, and right from day one, the group was tight, and we just knew we had we had a special group there that we could do do good things. And Stewie was Stewie was a great coach for us. He kind of came in and just I don't know if it was a brush breath of fresh air from from Baxi, but just. Uh, totally different approach so it was yeah. you could tell you could tell he was more of a player's coach that was he wanted uh, he wanted to score goals and he wanted to, wanted to move the puck and still play hard but it wasn't we weren't trying to fight our way through every game yeah well and and you you talked uh, you mentioned him briefly there uh well just brand new hockey hall of famer uh, what were your first impressions of Martin St. Louis? He came to us, I think he maybe played 20, 30 games, and yep. we roamed together, and 
great guy. Like you would, you would sit and and I would anyway sit and watch him on the bench and just the stuff he would do. He was so fast and score goals and just his commitment to get better every day was was unreal. And so spending time with him, being a roomie, we talked about a lot of stuff, and you can just tell he had uh, he had a drive to be one of the best and he wasn't wrong turns out uh turns out at some points and games and yep. hall of fame and just an unreal career where back in the day little guys weren't weren't a hot commodity yep. he he put on a clinic there when he came to us and then, then throughout the playoffs and then the next year in calgary he was there a bit and and we let him go. Yeah, I was going to say the Flames got to be uh, kicking themselves over that one. Uh, yeah, but uh, oh, yeah, hell, hell, hell of a run, that's for sure. But another, uh, another, as you said, with their team, you know, lots of talent on the team. But again, you, you know, again, no shrinking violets. I mean, you still have some tough dudes. But one of my all-time favorite guys, and I've, I've met him a couple times. Good dude. As a fan, I got to ask you about Rocky Hockey. What was Rocky Thompson like as a teammate? <laughs> Rocky, he was uh, he was a lot of fun. Like he, obviously playing against him in in the WHL, I knew he was tough. So, but he came down and he he had a theory. He had to be. He lost a little bit of weight and he figured he wasn't as tough. So he was he was basically a fat mess that whole year. He was just. 2.30 and fighting everybody and loving it. Long hair. Yep. Just the, the crowd loved him. He was so pumped after every fight. And he was a great teammate. Like, liked to have fun and just loved to fight. Like, he... Well, he was like a real-life ha- like real Hanson. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And just loved it. He He would wheel around and Every fight he got the crowd rocking and just his, I'm sure you've seen pictures, like just the intensity after every tilt and just, uh, he was awesome. Like he had, to do what he did that year and fight the guys he did, because he's not really that big as far as, as far as a heavyweight go, but he'd be ducking and diving and just popping guys with lefts and it was, uh, it was impressive to see. Well, the well, the, even in the playoffs in Philly, there those battles with Bialoas, like those are insane. No, oh, those were awesome. Yeah, he, yep. and in Philly, there's they played in the Spectrum, so there's seventeen thousand people there. And I was gonna say, what was that environment like well, going into? It was unreal. Like, yeah, nothing like I ever experienced. And they were well, Philly fans are intense to say the least so they were screaming and yelling and just losing their minds and it was one of the old school ranks where they're right on top of you so you've got a sold out barn and it was to be 21 and playing in that atmosphere was all i could think is i came a long way from central butte no, i was gonna say yeah well and like you said they stacked that team up too so yeah, they were giving the uh, giving the fans their money's worth in terms of violence, anyway. But uh... oh, exactly, and yeah, it was 
I've never been in a louder building then or since then. There's when we lost in Game Six, like it was, they were going crazy, and I think that was the first uh, first championship in Philly for however many years, and the fans were the fans were rocking, but it was. Oh yeah, I mean they always said like the Phantoms like would rival the Flyers in terms of popularity. Oh, for sure, and they loved it, and they were probably yeah. I don't know if the Big E was in Philly at that time, but they were they were the only show in town at that time. Like they were, and it was like the streets were packed. And looking back at it now, you, obviously when you lose, you're you're pissed off and. And down in the dumps, but looking back on it now, the way those fans were rocking in that city was pretty impressive. Yep, for an AHL win, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so now here's uh, now the big step up. You, now you uh, 98-99. Here, well, well, we don't have to go here every year, but I mean, you play four seasons in the, in the NHL with the uh, Calgary Flames. So ninety eight, ninety nine, your your rookie year in the NHL. You got Brian Sutter behind the bench. What was that like? Couldn't have worked out any better. Probably he's uh, he's a farm boy through and through, and I grew up on a farm. So his the way he talked to guys, I felt like I was at home. Just intense, always no bullshit. Like this is how we're doing it. You got to work, work, work. And really, it took me back to to being a kid on the farm. So it couldn't have worked out any better. Great. Uh, I love Sats. He obviously gave me gave me my chance, and it uh, it was probably a downtime in Calgary. But it uh, we had a lot of young guys that that were growing together and having fun together. So it was it was a start of something that I don't know, probably took four years or or so since then. But uh, it was it was a lot of fun playing for him, but. When you think of Sutter, that's that's Brian. You'd you'd walk into the rink and he'd punch you in the shoulder as hard as you can. You'd try to avoid him. You're like, Jesus Christ, quit hitting me, dude! Like, <laughs> but they're just they're just on all the time. There's no off minutes at the rink. Yeah, well, yeah, the Sutter, yeah, that's what a tradition, man. Uh, but yeah, so now here you are sitting in the dressing room. You got, uh, you know, like you said, grew up. You're a big flurry fan. Now you're sharing a dressing room with them. What was? Uh, I mean, everyone's heard the stories, and and I mean, we don't have to go into all the all the flurry stuff. I mean, everyone knows. But but what were you, what in your interactions with Theron? How how was it? Theo was great to me. Like yeah, he, yeah, he was awesome. Man. We actually we went. Uh, actually spent quite a bit of time with him that that year. Like uh there was kind of a group that would go out and drink beers or whatever and um no he was I can say nothing bad about Theo. He was he was great to me as a young kid and helped me helped me along. You kinda you know, you get to the rink and you don't really know what to expect and he'd he'd help you out and so no, he was he was good. He was uh he was a good team teammate for for me at that time as a young punk, basically. Yeah, well, you're also, of course, as you're, we talked about him a little earlier, but uh, another fellow 21-year-old, but uh, Jerome McGinley, just kind of starting out a couple years in. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, he was – you could always tell he was going to be something special. Like he loved working out. We'd always bug him that he, he just spends all summer working out so he could win the bench press contest and throw 400 pounds on there and do it 10 times. It was, like, it was, it was unreal to, to see his work ethic and how – how he how he prepared for each game, and then, um, yeah, you knew he was going to be good. And obviously, at that time, he was he was a good NHL player, but you could see very shortly he was going to be a superstar. Yeah, it was coming. Yeah, and uh, well, and, and as far as defense goes, I mean, you played with another Hall of Fame, uh, Phil Housley. Phil the thrill, like he. The way he could wheel around the ice and his horrible yoke helmet on and just throwing soft passes. It was, you'd sit on the bench and watch what he could do out there. and It was mind boggling. Yeah. What year was that? 98. And he would have been, I don't know, when did he start? Mid 80s? Well, he was 34 at the time. Yeah. He started in 82, 83. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So he, he had been playing forever and still just controlled the play. He when he was out there, puck was on a string and you couldn't get away from him. And not a big guy at all. Not a typical hockey body. Like he did not. He was not in awesome shape. He didn't have. wasn't. You look at him and he wasn't bulging with pipes. But you got him on the ice and he controlled the play and could skate for hours. And, Seemed like nothing, so it was it was awesome to play with Phil, and obviously now he's he's coaching in Buffalo and doing a great job. Like just a great hockey mind. No, absolutely. Um, now, oh, and I, well, I was going to ask you this. So now you've played in the American Hockey. What's the what? I, I mean, I guess we keep talking about it's kind of getting. I'm kind of beating this to death, but it was like, what's the transition like from the American League to the NHL? Just in terms of gameplay, uh, like what's the big difference? Or is there that much of a difference? The speed. No, the speed. Yeah, it's a huge difference. Like you go from all young guys to, for the most part, with some some older guys, and then you jump to the NHL, and it's the speed of the game. It seems like it's just ramped up. Like you've got by uh, your playing against. Mario and Yager and guys that are their talent is unbelievable. Like it doesn't doesn't matter what you do, you can't stop them. Like their their yeah. skill level is through the roof, and they're so big and so fast. And it's everybody plays their position, and you make one little mistake, and next thing you know, it's in the back of your net. So. It was it was probably the time and space and how skilled guys were. Whereas I don't know. Like Babcock always says, the good the good players always seem to have lots of time and space and the not so good players always seem to have no time and space. So I was I was in the latter of that. It always seemed like the game was you had no time and space, but I'm sure for you ask Mario, he had all the time and space out there that he wanted. So it was uh yeah, just adjusting to how quick guys moved and how skilled they were. Yeah. Uh, well, you throw out some names. I mean, well, uh, I mean, I got to ask. I mean, I know your your first year 
was Gretzky's last year. Uh, yes. What was it like to share the ice with, with the greatest player in the world? It was awesome. I can remember being in uh, being in New York and taking faceoffs against him, and just thinking, "This is this is surreal." Like you, yeah. As a young kid in the '80s, Gretzky was just lighting everything up, and then you just had so much respect for him. You didn't even want to hit him. Like it was. Yeah. I've watched this guy my whole life, and he's so good, and obviously the best player ever to play the game. You're like. I don't want to hit him. I guess yeah. I don't want him to make me look bad, but I definitely don't want to hit him. How how'd you do on the draws against him? him? I think I snapped him back. <laughs> <laughs> well, one one thing I always tell people is I wish I would have framed it and cut it out, but it uh, I had ten goals that year. Gretzky had nine, and I looked in the I believe it was the hockey news. But there was Clark Wilm, 10 goals, and the next in line was Wayne Gretzky, 9 goals. I should have saved that thing. It was just, I remember looking at it and think, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> never never would I have thought in my wildest dreams. Well, you went, you went from playing uh, playing against them on Sega Genesis to now you're lining up against them. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Just, well, just like, a real moment. Well, absolutely, and then of course you brought up playing against Mario. Um, obviously, Wayne's at the well, both of them, I guess, were sort of at the end of their careers. But what were kind of the as you could tell, what were the differences with the two? Because they're obviously widely regarded. Everybody kind of oh, those are the two best guys, you know. So, yeah. what was it like playing against I, both of them? In my experience, Mario was him and Yager came in one night and just lit us up in Calgary. Mario's six foot five, six maybe, and two hundred and thirty pounds. Like, oh, he's a big dude, you ran yeah. into him. It was, it was like running into the wall. Like you could not move him, no matter what. He was like, I'm going to do this, and it doesn't matter what you do, you're not going to make a difference. Like he was, he was so big and strong. And we were watching him fire one timers with uh, one of his old Nike two by four sticks. <laughs> yeah. So. He's getting a pass from the from the point straight down at him, and he's about six inches off the goal line, just roofing them one after another. We're sitting there watching a pregame skate in Pittsburgh, and it was unbelievable. Like for somebody to do that with with the technology and those twigs back in those days was was amazing. Like just one after another, tang shelf, tang shelf, and he's he's at an angle that most guys could shoot. A hundred pucks and hit the net three times. <laughs> Shit just isn't fair sometimes, is it? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and no, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. What were you gonna say? Yeah. No, I was just gonna say Gretzky. Uh, just to watch him out there in the the patent curl up and throwing some sauce and just. Just amazing to sit there and watch. It's such a special player, and yeah, to to get the chance to actually play against the best player of all time, two of them, three of them, maybe you know, it's uh, pretty pretty fortunate. Like uh, think back as a young shit in Central Butte, Saskatchewan. If I could tell somebody 
that would have happened, they would have they would have not believed me. So it's pretty pretty fortunate. No, absolutely. That was just uh, yeah, just kind of going through. You know, the the I wanted to bring up one name to you. Um, in two thousand two thousand one, he was an assistant coach, um, and unfortunately passed away in the uh, in the plane crash um, over in Russia. But it was uh, Brad McCrimmon. Yeah. Um, what are your What are your memories of uh, of Brad? Such a great, such a great guy. Like he, he was the assistant coach there when I and obviously I'm from Saskatchewan. He's from Saskatchewan, so it was it's a pretty, pretty small world over here. So you, you talk about the same things, and he was he was just. Uh, such a great guy like a smile on his face he'd always tell us you know what like if you guys go out and have beers the puck moves faster than you so make sure you're passing good and you know when you get in the gym try this this is what i this is what i found to work in my career just uh, he was constantly working with us younger guys to try to get us better to try to give us a few tips here and there and then just such an amazing person big smile on his face all the time and he was so knowledgeable in the game and he he would in all aspects of the game he'd he'd help us young guys and just talk to us about well maybe try this and in my experience do this and he was uh, he was awesome to be around for that year yeah um yeah what unbelievable tragedy and uh yeah that was yeah yeah i just wanted to get your thoughts on him but um yeah, just kind of going on. I mean, uh, in your final season in Calgary, there, oh one oh two. That's you know, uh, again, let's first fifty goal season. Like you said, you could see that sort of coming. Um, a name I wanted to throw at you. We'll just kind of go back to the kind of the, you know, a, a grizzled veteran, but he certainly didn't back down, and he's now coaching the Blues. Was the chief uh, Craig Berube? Do you got any Berube stories? <laughs> Have you ever seen the Anaheim Brawl with uh, Yeah, that, that was going to be my question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Chief was an awesome dude. Like, we drank a lot of beer on the road. He was uh, he was a guy I hung out with quite a bit. Just, uh, just a great guy. Like, no bullshit. And as tough as they come. And he didn't. He liked to have fun. And he liked to. Uh, like to work hard, but he didn't. He didn't put up with any shit. If you weren't, if you weren't working in practice, he would give it to you. He didn't care who you were. Just a, just a great guy. The kid was. I knew who he was. Obviously, growing up, like watching the Flyers and so on and so forth, and then get a chance to play with him and just see how, how hard nosed and how no bullshit he was was, was awesome. Like you look at that. Uh, him starting that that brawl against against Anaheim, and when Dave Lowry flipping the puck over the those boards to get him out of out of the box, and him chasing down poor Jeffries, and then he couldn't get out of that drink fast enough. It was, yeah, yeah, he he was a lot of fun to play with. Just when you think of an old school tough guy that would stand back and throw him, and no bullshit, that's the chief. Yep. Well, it was just, and it's just amazing for him to, to, especially in that role and just the amount of fights he had, but for as long as he did it and effectively too, like unbelievable. Exactly. Not, 
not really that big, like maybe six one, but like not not a big intimidating guy, but as tough as they come, he's gotta be one of the toughest in history. Yep. Like really you think of you think of the guys he fought, he fought everybody in their in their prime and and did a hell of a job. Like yeah. you Yeah. You don't see many fights when he loses, really. No, no not at all. Um so the the uh, so that that kind of puts the uh, your uh, the end in Calgary. Was it sort of um, kind of the writing on the wall? Could you see it happening, or was you, were you surprised when you got uh, when you went to Nashville? Uh, it was probably a misunderstanding, really. Yeah, like I I wanted to stay in Calgary, from what I've heard now. In hindsight, they wanted to keep me, and it was probably, I'm guessing, more of an agent issue than uh, than me wanting to leave and them wanting me to leave. So, it uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. I would have liked to stay there. Being well, a Flames fan growing up. Yeah, I was going to ask you now that you brought that up. Uh, you know, I'm not. You know, you know, it doesn't. I'm not your own personal business, but just in general, as a fan on the outside, and we, you know, as fans, we hear all this stuff, and you know, especially in today's media world and social media, everyone likes to, everyone likes to think they're a fucking GM because they play too much Xbox. But I mean, uh, in turn, you know, with Nylander there in Toronto holding out, now he signed, and everybody's going back and forth. In terms of like. Um, is there, are there times, I don't want to say you or if you've heard or whatever, but just in general, like in terms of the player agent dealing with you or dealing for you with the team, is there a lot of interaction? Because everybody's just like, oh, why does the player just say, screw it, sign me, let's go? Or do you kind of, does the agent kind of leave a player in the dark sometimes? Or is there a lot of transparency? I mean, I know there's obviously supposed to be transparency. He's working for you. I mean, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. But is there... Every once in a while, do you kind of think they maybe hold back on you and don't tell you? Oh, for sure. I know in my experience, when I left Calgary, I was left in the dark on on something that I 100% would have would have said yes to. So, yeah, they do. Like, young guys, are, they need to be on top of things and just make sure they know absolutely everything that's going on. Because in my experience... I was left in the dark on on something that uh, that would have kept me in Calgary for I don't want to say my whole career, but I would have been there for for a couple, three more years anyway. So it yeah, uh, yeah guys need to really. And I've heard Ray Ferraro say it too. Like you don't work for your agent; your agent works for you. So you need to yep. really lay out what what you want and. And not uh, not take a back seat, and really make sure that that they're looking out for your best interest. Yeah, so you you kind of you go uh, you play the one year in Nashville, um, you know for Barry. What was playing for Barry Trotz like at that time? Trotz, he was great. Like uh, he uh, again, Manitoba, Saskatchewan were kind of the same, cut from the same cloth. So no, he was great. It was. It was kind of right at the start of Nashville, so there was a lot of moving parts. But, no, Trotsy was great. And I love Nashville. And if you've ever been to Nashville, how can you not love it? But uh, the hockey was – the hockey wasn't like it is now. 
especially grew up in Canada, played my minors in Cal in Canada, then went to Calgary. So you're you're constantly in Canada where hockey's the the thing. So well, it's so focused went to Nashville. Went to Nashville and you could hide anywhere you wanted and you yep. open the paper and high school football's yep. first page and you're on the, on the back page. So it was at that time when I was there, it wasn't the same as it is now. I'm not saying it wasn't a lot of fun and a great organization. It just wasn't. Well, they hadn't built it, it up. Didn't, it didn't seem like it was a guy was playing in the NHL at that time. Yeah. You know, it was, it just wasn't the same focus as when when you play in Canada, which I liked. I liked. I liked playing in Canada. Yeah, the um, uh, what I was just kind of looking at the roster, and I was going to throw out his name earlier because you you've kind of played with him in Calgary and now in Nashville, and he was a tough bastard too. Uh, was Kale Hulse. <laughs> old crazy eyes? Yeah, he used to look for a. A place to hide when you went into Portland, and those donkeys yeah. were running around. And well, him and Symes were, him and Brad Symes were just ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, but Duke and yeah, yep. Weimer. The yeah, there was uh, when we went on the West Coast West Coast swing back in the day. You you looked at the lineups and you're like, oh my god, I hope I get home alive because they were just straight meat out there for the most part, and it. Uh, yeah, he was awesome. Big lefty. We had a lot of fun. He was Kale's an awesome guy. Like he playing in Calgary. He was uh, he was my line mate for a little while on the right side. Original D man, and so he was. Yeah, I actually spent a lot of time with him. A good pro, like he. He probably didn't fight as much in in the NHL as he did when he. Uh, no, he didn't at all, really. When he, when he was in the minors, but if you want to watch him pump Buckberger, I don't know if that's on YouTube, but yep. he uh, he was as tough as they come, really. Yeah, no, he's a guy I definitely want to get on the show. I mean, I talk to him on Twitter a lot, and uh, you know, send him a few fight DVDs of his of his shit back in the day when he's in Portland. But uh, oh yeah, like his run in Portland and then uh, in Albany in the American League. I mean, he's just like pumping dudes. And then it was, uh, and that was weird because he just got to the NHL, and, and I don't want to say he quit fighting, but it was just, uh, you know, he he certainly didn't do it that, didn't really do it as much as I thought he would initially. And then, uh, but I mean, as it turned out, hell, the guy played eight hundred games or something, so clearly he didn't need to. But uh, yeah, he had a hell of a career. No, yeah, oh, for sure he did. But yeah, in junior, he used to just beat the shit out of guys like you. Yep. You didn't go in his corner because you thought he might kill you. Like it was. Yeah, I'll kind of stay out of this corner. That guy's got crazy eyes and throws left like an animal. So no thanks. I'll yeah. uh, I'll get the next four check. Yeah, dude plays eight hundred games and marries a Baywatch gal. What a what a, all the <laughs> luck, man. Yeah, yeah, tough life, eh? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so at the fall, you play the one year in Nashville, and then uh, and then it. it Oh three oh four, you you end up in uh, St. John's with the in the Maple Leafs, the American League. Um, now, how was that? Uh, you know, to go back to the minors after you know five seasons in the NHL. How did that? Uh, what was that transition like? Uh, it was all right. Like I went to Detroit's camp. 
yep. that year. And whatever, never, never worked out. And then I came home and hung out in Sask here, actually in Saskatoon, and did some hunting and kind of hung out. And then uh, had a few irons in the fire, like was trying to, Daryl Sutter and, and Warner were in, uh, were in Calgary. So I was bugging him, like, you know, talk to Daryl. What does he think? And then kind of Toronto came out of the blue. I wasn't really expecting it. And, uh, talked with them for a little while and said, yeah, let's, let's do it. I didn't, I just wanted a chance at that time. I'm like, I'm not going to sit here all year. I wasn't prepared to go to Europe at that time. So I said, uh, yeah, let's go. I'll go down and, and, uh, Turned out as good as it could, really. Went down and met uh, met one of the best coaches I played for in Doug Shedden. And, uh, yeah, it was... And the group we had in, in Newfoundland was, uh, was a good group, decent team, and went and banged in a few points there. And, I was going to say, you had a good run. Uh, you know, almost, you know, 47 games, 33 points. 97 pims, 8 tilts, uh, you know, so you, you were playing strong. I was going to ask you, one of the guys you were playing with down there, um, you know, was a, you know, Regina Pat, big first rounder, um, that, you know, was Josh Holden. Um, now, I can remember <laughs> yeah. watching him with the Pats and, uh, and, like I said, put up a ton of points in the Western League. And, like I said, there's another guy, uh, you know, it didn't really, you know, pan out for him in terms of NHL career. But uh, what was it like playing with him? Uh, yeah, him and I are not the same age, but I remember playing against him and with the, with the Pats. And very skilled, like, just didn't seem to make that jump. Like, I don't know. I guess the the tough thing when you're in that role, you're trying to, you know, you're, you're competing with, at that time, you know, Matt Sundin or uh, yep. Alex McGillany and stuff like that. So you, if you're a skilled guy, you got to take out some pretty good players to, to get ice time and really produce and, and put up offensive numbers. So I think probably just unfortunate uh, timing really like in the, yeah. in the wrong organization that was too deep that, uh, you know, Whose ice time are you going to take, really? But yeah. no, such a. I think he's still playing overseas, to tell you the truth. No, he might be. Uh, yeah, but I know. Yeah. yeah, like three straight. Yeah, hundred. Yeah, he was a hell of a talent for sure, without a doubt. Um, but then you get the uh, you get the call up to Toronto, and you, you know you had the playoff. Uh, you played some five playoff games, but you just walk into that. And now I know on Twitter and all, and I got a bunch of dudes I talk to all the time. It, goddamn, it's goddamn Leaf Nation on my friggin' Twitter feed i can tell you that so we'll make these guys happy we're getting into the blue and white talk now so pay attention okay so you walk into the dressing room you're staring at like sundin newendike roberts owen nolan ty domi ron francis brian leach what was what was that like to walk into toronto it was as a i was never a leafs fan growing up never but to get there and play there, like there's 
there is no better place to play in the NHL. Like Leafs Nation is unreal. Yep. The passion behind the city is, is and the team is amazing. So it was uh, it was a game changer. Like I again, my buddy Wade Belak, yep. he he was there, so that made the walking into that dressing room at least you know somebody. So it uh, but you look around you're like, Oh, Hall of Famer, 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 you're like where am I? It was, uh, I was in awe, like in, you know, probably something that helped me was I wasn't just a young kid coming up. I had played against these guys, so that helped things. But you look around that room and it was, you know, pinch me like Eddie Belfour, you know, you yep. look at, you look at the talent in that room and the hall of famers and it was, uh, it was a pretty cool experience to be part of. No, absolutely. And of course, then the head coach was Pat Quinn. Do you got any stories? What was it like playing for uh, late Mr. Quinn? I, I loved, uh, I loved Pat. Like he was the big Irishman. Like he, again, I've said it on here before, no bullshit. Like you knew what you're getting. He, he told you, uh, he told you what he thought and, what you needed to do, there was never any gray area. But uh, one story that uh, guys guys always talk about is uh, is Pat trying to pick up his uh, his whiteboard markers or the caps. Whenever he whenever he dropped them on the ground, he he could never bend over and pick them up. He was obviously is a as a hard-nosed D-man, he just, over the years, he it would take him, he'd drop it on the ground, and it would take him five minutes to pick it up, and we'd all sit there like, is he going to do it? Is he going to get it? Is this the one? <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty comical, but no, awesome coach, and as good as they come, like, he he treated me well, and yeah, it was, it was as far as as far as great guys you meet in your life, he's he's right up there at the top. Yeah, and the um, and of course, in the you know, like I said, you played in the playoffs, and you guys just had that war of a series against Ottawa, and this is like your first playoff action in the NHL. So what what's that like? Come playoff time, in the NHL. I mean, the, you know, it, as fans, you know, obviously you see it, it gets amped up. But what's it like as a player? I didn't even play against Ottawa. I was. Uh, Were you in the Flyers? For me, series? I was. I was in the Flyers series, so I missed the whole first round, and then. Uh, but you're. At that time, I'm the same as a fan. I'm like, let's get this done. Like the guys are playing unbelievable. You're sitting there cheering them on, and and then to get, uh, for me, round two, you get pulled into, to the Philly series where it's. It's Philly. Philly fans are a gong show, and they're screaming and yelling, and they've got the history with Ty, and yeah, there's signs out there where it's just it's offside at times, and it. But the atmosphere was was unbelievable. You play. I had played X amount of games in the NHL at that time, and these were my first first playoff games, and that's. That's what a guy dreams about as a kid is playing in the playoffs and getting a chance to play for the for the Stanley Cup and 
people talk about it being amped up and and the intensity being through the roof compared to the regular season and that was my first experience with it and I can say uh it's it's definitely definitely the case every every shift you're playing like it's your last shift you're ever going to play it was it was such a special experience and and a great time it uh obviously would have liked to win that series but yeah um and the Toronto fans you win a game you walk outside and horns are honking people are partying and it was it's it's amazing to see uh to see that great city rocking when you're winning games in the playoffs. I was going to say, uh, like in terms of that with the media and everything in Toronto, I mean, you know, like you said, it's basically like the center of the hockey world really is Toronto. And you're put under that microscope with those fans and that media. Does it ever get to the point where, you know, you're just like, leave, like just fuck off. Like just leave me alone. Do you ever get like just, back off for a sec like does it ever get just too much my experience there no it was but it also makes a difference when uh, i'm sure when when times were tough and they weren't winning at all it was it probably got to that but it uh, my experience no i didn't have a bad experience with the media or the fans or it's all as far as the media it's all what you pay attention to if you want to if you want to sit and read Twitter nowadays or watch Sports Sports Center and, and live and die by every everything you hear on there, then yeah, it's gonna bother you. But if you just go about your business and not not read things in print or read things on Twitter and and work hard, like I found that that the media was they treated me great and I have nothing, nothing bad to say about them. And as far as the fans, it's when you go out, it uh, everybody recognized you, but they were always respectful, and there was never any uh, any negative negative towards me. So it was like I said earlier. As far as if you want to play in a in a the best city in the NHL to play go to Toronto. I'm sure Montreal is great too. I never played there, but for me, it's, uh, it's as good as it gets. Now it's, uh, I was going to say, we, there was no, uh, Clark Wilms slap of the hockey news writer around or anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I kind of wish you had grabbed, I, I was kind of hoping you'd say you slapped the shit out of Ken Campbell, but that's just me. I'm not putting <laughs> words in your mouth. I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> or no, Jamie he, and Cox. That would have been a good one too. Yeah, he. Uh, I don't know if he was around then. I don't know if he. Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, there's definitely a few guys that aren't big fans of his. Yeah, uh, no. Uh, did you ever see any? Pl- I, we don't need to name names. But I'm just. Was there? Did you ever see any player that was just like maybe a star guy or whatever that just like just let that shit get to him? Uh like, was there some guy, like, outwardly was just, like, he's in the dressing room, you know, just when the boys are around or if you're on the plane or whatever, and he's just, like, going off on some writer to the boys? Did you ever, like, was there some guy that was, like, really hypersensitive to it? Not that I can think of, no. Like, there's nothing that's, uh, 
that's in my memory where somebody was blasting, blasting a writer thinking, you know, the fuck are you printing this for? It was, uh, no, nothing along those lines. Like it, but I don't know. It's, it's changed a lot. And my, what did I play in Toronto? 2006, it's 2018. Now I think it's probably changed a lot in 12 years. Yeah, I was going to say like, more. especially in a, in a market like that, where there's some writers like, like they, they would just, there was probably stories they they could have wrote, but they didn't. Like they kind of, you know, was I don't want to say yeah, things were covered up, but I mean nowadays, I mean everything everything's fair game, and every I mean you got every blogger and Yahoo right and whatever. And, I mean you can't hide anything anymore. But back then, I mean was the was the uh, relationship with the players and the media pretty pretty good? I thought it was, yeah. Because you, yeah, like you said, you didn't have you didn't have Twitter, you didn't have whatever else there was you just kind of had you had your newspapers in tsn and probably sports center and or sports net and so it wasn't there wasn't as many guys writing yeah. about stuff so i can see how now it it might get to be a little bit much because it doesn't matter you can be anyone and put something on twitter or on the internet and somebody's going to read it. So yeah, but, uh, but no, back then it wasn't, I always heard that it was, there was a lot of media attention and yeah, there was, but it was never, never negative where it, it, uh, it bothered a guy or, yeah, you know, you were losing, losing any sleep over it. No, well, I won't, uh, we've been, yeah, I won't keep you too much longer, but I'll have a, I know in the, uh, so the following year, of course, is the lockout. Yep. Now, how did that, um, like, that was, I mean, I guess, obviously, it's a, you know, everybody wants to play, and nobody wanted to have the whole lockout, but did you see it going that far? Uh, like, the full year being locked out? Yep. No, not really. Like, it, uh, but I was also, I went and played in Newfoundland at that time, too, yep, so. Yep. Um, it was, uh, no, I didn't, I didn't see it, it being a full year lockout, but I know there was a lot of panic in boys when, uh, when they thought there was going to be a deal signed because there was, uh, there was probably more than one guy that was slightly out of shape and hadn't really thought we were playing. So yeah, it, uh, no, it was really to to think that the NHL was locked out for a full year is oh. is mind-boggling when you look at it now. No, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, um, yeah, it is. Um, well, then, like you play oh four oh five, yeah, you sixty nine games. You're down in St. John. What was this? Uh, what was this uh, trip through the American League like this time? You're you're older and wiser, and you got NHL years on you, and now you're back uh, back in the American League. What? Uh, How did it go for you this time? Well, I probably shouldn't have drank so much beer and ate KFC in northern Saskatchewan with, uh, with my buddy Warner because I went to I went to training camp and I was slightly out of shape. Well, you were you were carbo loading, yeah. Exactly. No, I found out uh, probably mid August. They said, you know what, we want to we want to send you to uh, to Newfoundland. So. I was uh, I was not expecting on doing a whole hell of a lot, so it was there was a lot of catch up in that year. And, but our team was you know you had Kyle Wellwood and Matt Stage and down there, and 
Carlo Coliacovo. So we had a lot of a lot of young good players, and we had a great year, and it was uh, it was fun. Like it, that league, the AHL that year was was awesome. You had Spezza and Binghamton, and you had all yeah. the top young players playing in the AHL. So the league was uh, the league was pretty impressive, and probably as good as it's ever been. And yeah, Kessler was in was in Winnipeg. Like I had all those guys there, so it was it was fun playing, and it was definitely beat staying at home. And we had a lot of fun in, in Newfoundland. It's a it's a great city. The people are the people are great, and yeah, the Maritimes. It's a little different world out there. Oh, for sure, and. Uh, yeah, you think of Newfoundland, you think 15 feet of snow, but I don't even know if we had snow that year. It was uh, it was pretty easy that way. And we spent a lot of time in Toronto. A lot of a lot of the kids were were from there, the younger players. So it uh, it was it was fun. Like it, yeah. Really, I look back at my career and I had fun every year I played. So it was it was just a different experience and going to the rink, going to the rink and getting paid for it. I mean, yeah, I could, I could see that. Yeah. I was a little better than nine to five. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Oh five, Oh six, uh, you play a full season in Toronto. Um, your last NHL season. Um, now you're, like you said, you're, you're back up, you're playing with some Dean and Jason Allison. And of course, um, the big name in, in, in that dress, you're one of the guys I wanted to ask you, about was Eric Lindros. What was it like to play with uh, 88? The Big E was great to me. Like, uh, I'd always heard stories that, uh, you know, maybe a little bit different and so on and so forth. But, uh, no, he was he was great to me. And, you know, he always, uh, funny story I always tell about, uh, about him is I was sitting out one night, so I'm sitting in the, uh, I'm sitting in the back laundry room watching the game on TV, having a, having a beer. And, uh, the biggie was hurt a few times that year. So he comes in, he got hurt during that game. So he, uh, he's, he comes in, he's, he's pissed off. He hurt his hand and I've got big hands, but, uh, he's, he's got huge hands. So I'm sitting there having a Molson Canadian or whatever the hell it was, but, watching the game and he, he grabs one and he's like, shit, can't believe this happened again. Pounds it, literally sucks it out of the can in 10 seconds. It's like, oh, okay. I guess, I guess he's fired up and he probably pounded three beers in about a minute. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to shower. It's like, okay, see you later. Like <laughs> just, uh, impressive like you could not you could not see the can in his hand just bang 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 i gotta go shower but he was uh he was great to me always treated me good and yeah it uh i was pretty fortunate the superstars were always always nice to me and he was he was no exception always made a made a point coming over and bullshitting and going on the road and, and having some fun together so he's uh my books is a pretty good dude. Well, and another guy who became and like we were talking about Baruby before for doing it for so long. I mean, I mean Ty Domi, um, unbelievable career. Um, the amount of fights he had for as long as he did it for the size that he was. 
Um, what are your do you have what are your memories of Ty Domi? Ty was good too. Like I, I want to say for the most part in that year, it was uh, my line would have been Ty, Ty, uh, Wade, and myself. So it uh, got to spend lots of time with him, sitting on the bench and so on and so forth. And he was, uh, I used to always love him, him and uh, and Pat's interactions. Like they they like to give it to each other and. We'd be on the ice, and Pat would be yelling at Ty, and Ty'd be yelling at Pat, and it was uh, it was pretty entertaining. It'd be you'd hear Pat yelling past the puck, and Ty'd be like, Ty'd be yelling, "Shut up, Pat!" and so on and so forth. And it was just the interaction between those two was pretty entertaining. Then, uh, but good teammate, he would do absolutely anything for you. You knew if. Uh, if uh, you needed somebody to back you up, he was he was right there. And to think for how how tall he actually is and how big he actually is, the guys that he fought and the battles that uh, that he was in, and I don't know if you could find anybody tougher, really. Like, uh, yeah, for size, for size, and. The guys he fought, he's got to be the toughest, toughest of all time, I would say. Yeah, well, I mean that, you know, without, yeah, exactly. And and what some people don't uh, realize, you know, Ty was a good player. Oh, for sure, yeah. He scored a lot of goals. Like, you you look at his stats, like, he always he always put up points. He wasn't just... Uh, just a guy who went out there and, and fought. He, he would score 10, 15 goals and and make plays, and if you needed, he'd slide up on the wing with with Mats, and it was, uh, yeah, he was uh, he was a good player. Well, and of course, and of course, his his fights with like Probert are obviously legendary. And I, there's a guy I was going to ask you about playing against. What was it like playing against Bob Probert? He was. Uh, by the time I was playing against him, he wasn't. He wasn't as crazy as he was back in his prime, so he wasn't uh, really the the only story I remember about him. Is we're playing him in Chicago that year. He, I think he got, I think it was the year he got fifty goals or fifty-two goals or whatever it was. And they're in front of our bench, and he's kind of pushing with them, and they're Iggy says to him, "Maybe in your prime." But not, I'm not scared of you now, old man. And we're like, what are you talking about, Higgy? Like, you're going to get your teeth knocked in. But <laughs> he didn't care. That's just that's the way Iggy was. He played hard. And we're like, dude, you're talking shit to Probert. Like, he's going to knock you out. So, but I'm sure had they fought, Iggy would have done well because that's just the way Iggy was. He, he was tough and not, not trying to say he was in Probert's class, but... Uh, he would have found a way to found a way to hang in there. Now, it, like, it, like, uh, well, before we get off that, like, in terms of just like, uh, you know, like tough guys or whatever. Uh, like, I mean, you had the Probert and like, well, Tony Twist and guys like that. Was there like a guy that was like legitimately, like, when you're looking, it's like he's just literally scaring the shit out of you. 
like just oh Tony Twist, no question. Yeah, like did he like, just did he talk a lot out there, or was it just the look? No, you just looked over at him and you thought like, there's no way I'm doing anything to make this guy mad and kill me. Like he was uh, him and him and Chaser were were running around back back in the St. Louis days. I can remember. Uh, I don't know what Jason Weimer did, but uh, Weems did something to piss off Twister, and he chased him up and down the ice, and it was just like, I'm not even turning around. I'm not even looking at you. Like, it's, there's there's no chance I'm getting into this with uh, with your wild man Twister. So he was probably the one guy where, well, because you knew he could knock your face into the back of your skull. Yeah. So it was, you know, Everybody else probably you could uh, find a way to not get not get hurt too bad, but for me, it's him. That's you. You looked at him, and he's like, he could he could end my career. Yeah. Well, just before we uh, kind of wrap it up with the with the NHL, I mean. Well, a guy we didn't actually mention. I mean, it, it, obviously the the mainstay of the Leafs teams for all those years was Matt Sundin. What was uh, what was playing with Matt's like? Oh, he was awesome. Such uh, so good. Like you, big, skilled, worked his ass off every day. Like he, and just a great guy. Like he, it didn't matter if you were you were there for ten years or you were there for ten minutes. He treated treated you all the same like he there's a reason why he was the captain of the Leafs for so long he's just uh, just a class act and hockey wise skilled like nothing he couldn't do really like it's so impressive you'd want I'd watch him in uh, in the shootouts or the the plays he'd make and big man and you'd just sit there and be in awe of the of the stuff he could he could do so it uh one of the best guys i ever met in in the game no question yeah no and uh yeah definitely uh the hall of fame career without a doubt um well so uh so that was kind of the uh you know the end of the nhl and then you went on and played uh uh five seasons overseas uh, helsinki and hamburg and uh what what was that transition like to come out of uh, to go overseas and play on the bigger ice and uh, and that's obviously a culture shock. <laughs> My skill could finally shine. I had more room to move out there. Well, they weren't holding you back anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. No, it was a lot of fun. Like uh, I loved going to Finland. I had no clue. My first year in Europe. Uh, Really had no idea what to expect, and goes back to my coach that coached me in uh, St. John's for a few years, Doug Shed, and he was there. So I kind of I knew what I was getting as far as coaching wise, but as far as culture wise, living, I had no clue. I'm just going in blind, and loved every minute of it. The Finnish people are they're great. The culture was uh, was cool to get integrated into and really it's no no different than Saskatchewan here like for the most part the the countryside is the same and the people are the same they just speak Finnish so yeah. it was 
it was awesome. And then to slide into Germany again, reunited with uh, Bill Stewart, who coached me in, uh, in St. John. So that was more Americanized uh, Germany was than, uh, than Finland, but that probably had to do with, in Finland there was two North American guys, and in in Germany there was there was ten of us, so it was yeah little different experience. Like you're you're not hanging out with uh, you're not hanging out with with uh, all Finnish guys or all German guys. You're kind of in your group. You're hanging out for the most part guys that guys that are from North America. So um, great experience. You know what? Can't wait to go back there. Met lots of good, great friends, and and had a lot of fun. In terms of the uh, uh, the hockey talent over there, well, one, what do you, what do you think of large ice, and uh, and and just in general, what was the game like compared to the like? Obviously, uh, you know the you know no fighting or any. Well, I guess there's fighting, but you know what I'm saying. The, obviously, a lot less physical. Um, like, did you did you like that, or was it? Uh, what did you think of it? Uh, yeah, I had, I had fun. Like I went over there with an open mind and in Finland, it's, uh, well, as you know, like there's a lot of real good Finnish players. So yep, yep. like a lot of the, a lot of those kids are, they're there to get, to make that next step to come over to North America. Like when I was there, we were playing against Tuka Rask, and they could play with Vili Leno the one year. So, or, you know, Yori, Letera, and stuff. Guys like that, guys that came over and, and played in the NHL, and they're still playing in the NHL for, for Rask. But, like, Finland, Finland, it's a stepping stone to get out of there for, for a lot of those younger guys. And then in, in Germany, it, uh, a little bit different. It seemed like it was more older, older guys that had played in the NHL or the AHL, or or guys that uh, that were in the East Coast League and and decided to go over there. So a little different, little different feel. Um, hockey was still good. You're, you know, it's such a big country. You're playing in, you're playing in NHL size ranks every night for the most part, and Lots of fans, but uh, yeah, Finland for the most part would be would be not better hockey, but different just in the fact that that those guys are trying to get out of Finland and and yeah. come over here and, and make a career. Yeah. Well, there we go. the uh, The hockey journey of uh, of Clark Wilm, uh, four hundred and fifty five NHL games, and uh, you know, hell of a career, man. Uh, I can remember watching you as a rookie in Saskatoon, and uh, yeah, that, that was a hell of a journey. <laughs> it was. It uh, no, loved every minute of it. I know. Uh, I know. There's there's some guys that don't uh, aren't fortunate enough to have the same same hockey journey as myself, but uh, I loved every minute of it. Nothing bad to say about uh, any aspect of it. NHL minors. Europe, it was uh, it was all a great ride. Yeah, it. Uh, well, before I let you get out of here, I uh, kind of give you. I got to give you a couple questions. I mean, uh, in terms of like when you were out in the in the NHL and you're playing, was there 
I'm not saying off the ice or anything, but on the ice, was there just some guy that you're like, I want to kill this son of a bitch? Like, who was the most annoying? Like, who, was, who did you hate? Give us some hate here, Clark. Come on. Oh, who do I have in that list? I don't know. I would have to say probably Strudwick just as uh, the Kamloops days. And it seemed like I fought him about 15 times. It just, it, uh, yeah, it started in junior and carried on into the pros. And I would say that was probably the one guy whenever I was playing against him, I'm like, Pretty good chance we're fighting tonight. Just, <laughs> seems, hey, what, hey, what was uh, what was uh, Barnaby like? Uh, didn't well. He was always out east, so we didn't play him a ton. So yeah. it uh, probably depends which division you're in, but yeah, I don't. I didn't have a lot of run-ins with him just because we didn't seem to play him very much you play him twice a year and it was yeah you know when when a non-rival team's coming into town in january the uh the intensity's not the same as if you're playing flames oilers and yeah it's not it's not it's not strudwig and redden rivalry (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) all right man well uh well before actually before we wrap up this is kind of i should have asked this before it's kind of rude of me uh, what what's Clark Will do? How are you feeling after 455 uh, NHL games? And and like, what are you up to these days? Before I let you go, yeah, life is good. I feel uh, I was actually really fortunate without getting all my teeth knocked out. Uh, not a ton of injuries, just the shoulder injury early in my career. So other than that, no, the body feels good, and I am actually. Uh, selling John Deere farm equipment for Western sales here in, uh, in Saskatchewan. So based at a, based at a Davidson and selling, uh, selling green iron to the farmers. So basically came full circle, grew up on a farm and now uh, selling farm equipment. There, if it ain't green, you don't need it, right? Exactly. Yeah. I like that. Uh, like that attitude. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Oh, the father-in-law would be proud. Um, all right, man. Well, like I said, thank you very much for uh, for taking the time, and I know we yapped for a long time. And I appreciate it, and uh, we will. Uh, we might have to do a, a maybe we'll get a couple other X blades on here. We'll do a round table sometime. Yeah, exactly. Get uh, get a few of the old boys on, and it's. it's I think we got we got to get you and uh, Warner on here. Exactly. He always talks shit about me on uh, on his radio show. So off to uh, <laughs> he'd be a good guy to get on here. Yeah, he would be. Um, all right, Matt, I'll let you go. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Clark. Take it easy. Yeah, bye. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 